When was the last time you asked God for a revival in your church? Matt Brown is our guest this week discussing amazing things our Lord is doing around the world. It's all in episode 48 of the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day. And now here's your host, podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, Andrew Hess. Thanks for tuning in to episode 48 of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm Andrew Hess, your host, and this week our guest is Matt Brown. Matt is an evangelist, author, and founder of Think Eternity. Alongside his wife, Michelle, they are impacting thousands of people around the world with the gospel each year through live events and their online ministry. They have a huge social media following. Matt has written a book called Awakening, where he tells some incredible stories about what God is doing around the world to reach people. And now, here's my conversation with Matt Brown. Well, Matt, it is so great to have you on the Church Leaders Podcast. Thanks for being with us today. Yeah, such an honor, man. I'm a big fan of you guys and uh, just excited about what you guys are doing to uh, resource the church. Yeah, we're so thankful for you and your ministry. Just last month, uh, you partnered with us and and we part. Well, actually, we partnered with you or whoever partnered. <laughs> yeah, we partnered together and um, gave away many copies of your book, Awakening. And uh, that was such a neat thing. Our audience responded really well to that book. Tell us about kind of what led you to to want to do that. Uh, to give it away or to write the book? Yeah, to give it away. To give it away. Well, so, I mean, man, just as a as a church leader myself, as a evangelistic minister, partnering with local churches and and serving at our obviously our own home church here in Minneapolis area, my heart just yearns to obviously to share the message that uh, of God's word and also the messages God is showing me and giving me um, to encourage the church. And so, writing Awakening. It was actually, it was cool. It landed on the one-year anniversary of uh, releasing the book or publishing the book uh, back in February of 2014, uh, or 15, excuse me. And so uh, we were able to give it away on that one-year anniversary, just not necessarily strategically. But uh, we're just so grateful my publisher to be willing to do that. And I just wanted to get it to more people and uh, get it to church leaders specifically and encourage them and inspire them in their ministry they're doing in their churches week in and week out. And so it was it was a huge honor. Yeah. And there was a huge response. Thousands of people downloaded the book. And I've been hearing from different leaders who have really been deeply encouraged. Um, in fact, I just, I got a note this morning from a gentleman in Barbados, West Indies, who's a pastor and just said he's been sharing the stories with his congregation. He actually wrote here, I have the email in front of me. He said uh, that just the book has had a tremendous impact. And, uh, you know, it, he he said this. Um, it's so easy to be limited in our view regarding what God is doing around the world, um, and so anyway, so he's used those stories to encourage his church as well. And that that was a dream. You know, that's that's what I want to see. It's really truly about the ministry and seeing God touch lives. And so that's why I was thankful to partner with you guys on that. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and we I've heard from so many people too that have contacted me and. I, I often am in conversations with pastors and leaders, and, and they have all said, wow, I, I, this is so cool that you guys are giving away this book. It's amazing. And they just feel so blessed by it. So thanks to you for being willing to do that. And I know that that, that wasn't without some cost, but I think it did. It's touched a lot of people. Talk to us about Awakening and kind of uh, how God laid the, these these stories on your heart and, and how this kind of turned into a book. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been a, a burden uh, and kind of a, just a, something that I feel that God has been directing me to and speaking to my heart through the word, through experiences of, with local churches around the country, um, and just kind of 
stories that come across my path for actually for many years now. It's it's probably been about a five year process leading up to writing the book, um, and and actually going into the publishing side of things and and releasing that. And obviously now it's been out for a little over a year. So it's it's been an ongoing theme on my heart, and that seems to be how God works with me to write a book in the first place. Is I just can't get away from this continuous theme that I keep seeing over and over again and just feeling such a burden that this is a message that believers need to hear, that people in uh, churches across our country need to hear. And so what I wanted to talk about in the theme basically is just that God is doing so much more than we realize, that uh, that it's so easy for believers to generalize the church or to to assume that nothing is happening when really there's so much more happening than we could ever wrap our minds around. So, So I just wanted to share some of those stories and just speak to that need that we all have to be inspired by what God is already doing so that we can kind of go into the places where he's called us to do more. Mm -hmm. I I love that. I think it is so easy for us to just kind of live in our own little world and even miss the things that God's doing in our own life. Uh, You know, one of the disciplines that I I learned in college was a, a mentor of mine told me to start writing down my prayer requests and then, and then watching for the answers, the specific answers to those requests. And I tell you, it, it changed my prayer life to, mm. to even just in my own life, begin to kind of watch and write down, oh, I, I asked God for this, and then, and then God met that need. And how mm. easy it is in our everyday life to kind of miss those things and to, yeah. and to not let them strengthen our faith and encourage us like, wow, I prayed and, and God answered. So is it's there... so easy to miss things. And I remember actually uh, hearing a similar thing years ago as well. And, and that was tremendous uh, impact on myself as well, just writing down the prayers in a journal and going back to them. I actually still do that. So that's a discipline I learned probably over a decade ago that has continued to really feed my faith. John Piper has said this statement that, that just went, just exploded on Twitter a couple years ago because of, I think it resonated with people. And that was that God is always doing 10,000 things in our lives, and we may be aware of three of them. Hmm. And so there's just a sense that God is, is far more active than we realize, but it's so easy for us to have you know, spiritual blindness or, or some level of where we don't quite see it. And, and the Scripture talks about that too, obviously, in 1 Corinthians, that, that we see in a mirror dimly. You know, it's, it's tough for us to quite see what God is doing. And you see that over and over again with the disciples as they follow Jesus in the Gospels. They, they, he would do a miracle and they would miss it. They wouldn't see what just happened and, and it would just escape them. It's so easy for uh, the spiritual reality of what God is doing to escape us because of our human uh, nature and our fallen nature. And so we need to, like almost like you did with the prayer request, attempt to be intentional to see more of what God's doing in our own lives and obviously all around the world. Mm-hmm. So tell us about, um, I, I, w- I would love to unpack some of the stories from Awakening. They're such powerful stories. Um, is there a story that kind of from that book that, that means the most to you? Um, well, you know, I, I shared with you uh, earlier, I, uh, when we were talking before the interview started, you know, we first met years ago going with a publisher to see an author's work in the heart of San Francisco. Um, and he actually, it's a gentleman who was a Chinese immigrant uh, decades ago and now works for many years has been working with the one of the largest homeless populations in the country uh, in the Tenderloin district of San Francisco and and after and it's actually an area too it's kind of neat where Francis Chan spent several years working with this ministry um, and you know some of the maybe the impact of his books has come out of that 
that incredible ministry there that he worked with. And uh, so just a powerful ministry there called San Francisco City Impact. My wife and I stayed a few extra days, and we happened to go from all the homeless population down to the bay where, you know, you've got expensive restaurants, and there's uh, they just happen to have this uh, America's Cup yacht race happening. And uh, it's by one of the wealthiest guys in the world who oversees this. He wants to make it, like, you know, to the level of the Olympics. So it was this huge footprint of different activities that you could do and all across the, the Bay Area there. And um, so my wife and I spent a few days just hanging out there. It was a, f- a free thing to go visit. And uh, there was a story on the screens of a solo nonstop around the world yacht racer. And uh, it's a basically it's a yacht the size that would typically take about 15 guys to, uh, to kind of manage all the things that are going on when you're out in the open seas. But uh, this uh, race is called the Vendi Globe. It's been going on for a while. And the gentleman there, Alex Thompson, basically has done this race several times. Most people don't finish it. It's like just such a rare thing to even go on this race. Anyways, there was a moment where he talks about being out there in the middle of the ocean with these waves that are 20 feet high. And uh, you're going crazy because you can hardly, you can't sleep very much on this race because you've got to keep an eye on the boat and everything that's going on there. It's super dangerous. And he says there's a moment for him where he's out in the middle of the waves and he just feels his insignificance in the midst of these awe-inspiring waves all around him. He was sharing this in an interview with CNN that was on these big screens. And uh, so, man, it was just like this moment where I thought, this is what every, you know, I'd been thinking about this book for years. I'd been hearing stories of what God's doing. And I just thought, man, every Christian, every single one of us needs this. We need to be out kind of in the middle of the stories of what God's doing, the movements of the church and the things that are going on. And just to realize how big God is and how small, obviously insignificant, but but so loved we are by Christ. But just to be in awe of who God is and what he's doing through his church. So it was kind of this, so that story, I just it was just so uh, inspiring to me, even though it wasn't a specific story what God's doing. Then in, through the rest of the book, I go on tons of stories about what God's doing all over the world. And so there, and there's, it would have been hard, for, I, I chose that story because it would have been hard for me to pick through some of the, the other stories of, of uh, activity of the church and things God's doing. But I'd love to share some of those as we go on in the interview. Sure. Tell us how, how it, this like you how you collected some of these stories like how did you gather some of them for the book yeah so i'd been hearing different stories over the years for instance how the church uh, especially in the southern hemisphere is just exploding with growth and new believers and growing churches and you know i'd, I'd heard stories of churches in the hundreds of thousands um there was a, a gentleman i heard who went to a church planning church growth conference and there was a and at, literally, there was a breakup for churches over 100,000, and it was full of people. <laughs> so, hmm. so so, I'd hear stories like this. I'm like, man, that doesn't really fit my frame of what I see happening in, in my church growing up or the frame of what I see the churches around my city. And so, and it's not, I'm not speaking, you know, even in the book specifically to, oh, it's all number numerical growth. It's not. It's about God moving in people's lives. It's about God touching more people. It's about his kingdom moving forward. It's really about that. It's not... Uh, a simple numbers thing, um, but it's about the kingdom uh, taking root in people's lives too, and not just people, you know, praying a prayer of salvation. It's discipleship growth, and so, so stories like that. Um, there, and then a bunch of these stories are just uh, things I've happened to actually see with my own eyes and come across. Um, you know, there was a an experience I had in uh, high school as a believer where God really moved in a great way in 
uh, my high school through a worship night that happened every week called Monday Night Jam. And uh, we actually had close to the population of our entire high school coming to this worship night every week in a public high school. Mm. <laughs> and and uh, it wasn't fully just from our school. It was students and church leaders that were driving from sometimes as many as two or three hours away to this one night, one hour worship night. Uh, and there was just this sense of the presence of God. And it was just this multi-denominational gathering. It was, it was pretty crazy. And uh, that resulted in our principal sending us a note, uh, basically in kind of the height of what was happening there. And he said, Hey, for an entire year, there's been zero disciplinary problems in the entire high school. And uh, this is, again, in a public high school in America. <laughs> and, and I can tell you, since that has been over, there's been plenty of problems in the high school. It's not that it's just in this, you know, kosher community or anything. Uh, and so there's, man, there is something significant that happened there and, you know, many opportunities since over the years that I've experienced as well. Wow. The, 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 that kind of leads me to my next question is, is thinking about um, one of the things I know you've talked a lot about is this concept of revival. And for a lot of people in our audience, when they hear the word revival, they think, oh, Jonathan Edwards, the Great Awakening, like long, long ago. Like that's the last time we saw like this great revival. But is that something as you as you're kind of passionate about evangelism and telling these stories that that you're kind of longing for is for us to you know see revival again? And, and what does that really what does that look like kind of in your mind? Yeah. Amen. I mean, yeah, sadly, I mean, revival is a loaded term in some sense because people all have a different perspective of what that looks like. And. And sometimes people have a wrong perspective of what that is. When you look at the historical sense, and there's some incredible scholars on this, like Dr. Elvin Reed, who's written really good books on revival and the history of revival. And, and I have another friend, Malachi O'Brien, who's just passionately you know, dedicating his life to praying for revival through a, kind of an effort called One Cry. And uh, so there's some great stuff out there on it. I would just say that obviously revival isn't something that you plan. Um, it's not something that we just we put that on the title of you know some daily church meetings or anything. You can do that, but that that obviously confuses. Doesn't constitute uh, the biblical sense of revival. Really, what we're saying uh, biblically when we are praying for and desiring revival is is that God would work in us and through us and through the church to kind of go back to that early church model of seeing people coming to Christ on a regular basis and seeing the church fully engaged with the mission, the work of God, um, and just really spending their life, not just on mission, but pursuing God to know Christ, to know him more. And so it's this kind of level of just a greater work of God in our lives. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, you could go around classifying things as it or as awakenings, and, and some people will speak more scholarly than I about the very specific terms, but but I think we need to always be praying for God to do a greater work. I mean, you look at the disciples, you look at the first followers of Christ, and you know, according to historians, they were preaching this exclusive gospel that Jesus is the only way to the Father. When you look into early church books, and I love church history, I've read you know just tons and tons and just eat it up, just absolutely love it, and I love reading the books that are actually from the early church as well, not just ones about them, uh, you know, the different biographies by, by different leaders. The, the very first church history book that we know of is by Eusebius. It's just called The Church History. That's a fantastic one for church leaders to start on. Hmm. And uh, you see in the apostles that, you know, according to historians, one in three million people had ever even heard of the name of Jesus. And they're going saying he's the only way. And, and in, in church history records, they, there was a term of the door of Jesus, that he's the door. He's the way to the Father. You know, uh, we come through him, hmm. like Jesus said in John fourteen six. And so, 
Uh, and, and today, one in three via the Catholic and Protestant church together claim adherence to Christ across our global community. And so we live in just this epic time that like, really there's more people affiliated at least with Christianity and that presents its own problems, but there's more people affiliated with Christianity or who claim Jesus as their savior or as their Lord than there ever has been probably at any point in history. And we have this just incredible movements of God happening around the world today that I would say there's places where revival is already happening on whatever scale it is. There's places where significant things are taking place. And I wanted to share some of those stories to just get people stirred that God, God can move today and he can move in your community. He can move in your church. Mm-hmm. What are some of those places in the world where, where there's revival happening right now? So, you know, just, I'll give two examples. Uh, one uh, that I wrote about was I just had the just this joyous, incredible opportunity to go down to San Pedro Sula, Honduras several years ago where a friend of mine, and, and he's a young leader, he was in his 20s at the time of this gathering, uh, held an event called One Nation, One Day. And it was based on the Old Testament uh, scripture that says, can a nation be saved in a day? Can a country be brought forth in a single moment? So, and his name is Dominic Russo. He comes from Detroit area. He'd done great citywide efforts across Latin America over the years. And it just so happened that God kind of lined things up and as they were working, doing ministry in this area and kind of building towards this, that it became this focus on the entire nation in a single moment. And uh, what they did is they gathered uh, over 2,000 short-term missionaries who literally took a couple jumbo jets down to uh, Honduras and spent a week just serving bringing medical treatment, bringing, I think they brought like 100,000 pairs of shoes for kids who didn't have shoes. I mean, just on a, this massive scale, right? And then they, they had permission to preach the gospel in every single public school in the nation throughout that week. So every single student who was active in school heard the gospel throughout that week. Wow. Uh, and, and then on a, and, and I should open it up before this too, they did a, they did a pastor's gathering with church leaders where there was about, 23,000 pastors across the country of about 30,000 total in the nation came to a pastor's conference to pray together for their country before this kind of one day thing the next day. And I was there at that. I, you know, I, I saw the pastors, I prayed with the pastors for their country the day before this kind of, this concluding effort. And obviously there's been many efforts since then. They're still doing a lot of work, uh, great work there, but these can be catalytic moments. And so they did the one nation one day where they they took the 18 largest stadiums in the 18 districts of the country. They actually had, they went so far as that the president of the country was there with us at, in San Pedro Sula. I was with him in the green room before this event and uh, addressed the nation on national television that we want to see a new Honduras. And I didn't even share in the beginning of this some of the needs, the great needs. It's one of the most poverty struggling nations. Um, and it's also had the highest rate of homicide of any, I think it's of any country in the world. Or, or basically per population level. So it was like, a, you know, it was a place of great challenge. And then they, you know, the gov- even from the government level, gave permission for this to happen. They, they allowed them to use these 18 largest stadiums. And simultaneously, 18 uh, ministers preached the gospel in the 18 largest stadiums on the same night. So I was with Dominic in San Pedro Sula where uh, they had the largest stadium there. Tons and tons of people had actually downpoured for about, 
an hour and a half before the event. <laughs> and you can imagine we were praying, we were praying, Lord, don't let this stop what you want to do. And uh, kind of cut off just before uh, the evening started. Uh, we thankfully had Carrie Job there leading worship at this event. And, uh, and then Dominic shared the gospel. And this was broadcast on just about every radio station. It was on the front page of every newspaper the next morning. And, uh, and, and essentially, uh, one in seven Hondurans were at, in attendance at those stadiums that night. So one out of every seven person in the, in the nation. Uh, and, and you can't make this stuff up, Andrew. This is crazy. So I'm flying out after this mind-boggling experience. The, the defense minister has said, like, you know, or I don't know if it's defense or kind of the guy who's in charge of, of the police or whatever, but he said that um, I think that homicides have been reduced by like 70% a year later. So there's a shift that happened in the country. So I'm leaving on the flight after this event, and I come across a short-term mission team who was there who didn't have any clue what was happening in the country. They were just doing their own trip, and they didn't hear about it. They didn't hear any of the stories. They were in the country at the same time, and they're going home none the wiser. They have no clue. And that's how easy it can be to miss what's happening right under our nose, the work and the activity of God all over the world. Wow. Yeah. And so for you, as you've thought about that kind of stuff, I would think that um, these stories are so faith-building. And so how do we how do we keep ourselves from just hearing that and being like, oh, wow, that's really neat and kind of going on with our day? But really letting that sink in and saying, wow, God is moving and I want to be a part of, of this type of thing that God is doing all over the world. Yeah. So my younger brother has a quote on his Twitter where he says, you know, basically inspiration is it escapes us. You have to go after it with a club. <laughs> so so he's like, you know, it's, it's this quote by some guy over the years. And so. It's like, man, we have to take what's happening and, and we got to, I, I would say, number one, all of us as church leaders, we got we to gotta stop generalizing the work of God. We got to be careful how we share about what God's doing. We got to be careful about saying all Christians are like this, all churches are like this, all churches struggle with this. We just, I mean, it's, it, it just, it's such a massive movement, what God is doing in churches and denominations all over the world, that we have to stop just putting people in these tiny pigeonholes. And instead, we have to kind of just be in awe of what God's doing all over the world. And so first, we've got to stop generalizing. Second, we need to like not hear stories about what God's doing as if it's competition for us. Mm. We need to hear it as if it's our team that just won. Like we're on the same team representing Christ, lifting up Jesus. It's all about Jesus anyway. It's not about us as leaders. And so we need to remind ourselves of that often. I mean, just like Spurgeon said, preach the gospel to your own heart every single day. We need to preach these kind of truths to our heart every single day. Like we talked about earlier in the interview, it's so easy to forget. And we need to remember these important first truths, these important first things that, you know, we're on, we're on the same team. And when God's moving in the world, that's a win for us. You know, that's a win for the small church down the street. That's a win for the small ministry that's struggling to make ends meet. You know, it's a win for all of us to see that God is at work. And it shouldn't, uh, make us feel competitive. It should inspire us to get excited that God, if God can use them, he can do greater things in me and through me. He could do a greater work where I am as well. And so we just need to keep working and praying towards that. But but I think those two things would be would be great lessons. That, that's great advice. And I love the idea of of kind of preaching the gospel to ourselves. And, and that's good perspective. That's such a good perspective, Matt, to not be competitive, because I think that that's something that I see. I mean, I'm in, I'm here in Colorado Springs. There's a lot of great churches out here, 
And there are times where even just our language kind of betrays a, oh, well, we do it this way or, you know, all this type of thing. It's like, man, we really need to shift into a, no, we're all on the same team. And yes, there's going to be different expressions and different ways, but as long as there's some a church that loves Jesus and is chasing after Jesus, we should get excited about their success. Yeah, amen. I mean, you know, just just having a heart to honor other believers and and get excited with them, excited for them, and and let that stir us. You know, not that we need to copy what they're doing, but that maybe God does have greater things for us. And and maybe there's leaders out there right now who've lost faith in that. You know, they've lost. They're, they're just plugging away on ministry and, and they see the hardship of it, but they've lost faith that God can still do great, greater works uh, than he's done already in their ministries. And I believe that, you know, this could be a moment where God reignites that in your heart and, uh, man, stirs you up for the things that he called you to when he first called you into ministry. Um, that there would be, you know, just a, a deeper hunger in all of our hearts to make much of Jesus, to lift up the word of God, to love our people well. And, uh, man, to just to preach with eternity on our hearts um, mm. because there's more people who need Christ. Matt, how has technology and particularly social media in the last you know decade or so, how is that changing the way that, that we can do evangelism today? Well, it's just a crazy opportunity nowadays, you know, with social media. You could be a pastor of a church of 100 people and, and you're loving those people and you're, you know, you're feeding them with the word every week. And uh, getting resourced by churchleaders.com and great things are happening, and yet you're you're tweeting to a thousand, you know. So it's just a weird world now where there's an opportunity online. And I would challenge every church leader, not that they have to be on every platform, but don't neglect the opportunity that's online. Take advantage of it, not so that we can have any of us can have numbers, but so that again we can point people towards Christ and collectively have such a greater impact maybe than we might even on a weekly basis. I just think, and then the other piece to it with church ministry is that, uh, you know, it takes our discipleship to a different place and a different level. We'll always need that face, face time and that, you know, one-on-one time with small group time, life groups. But, uh, but you can be tweeting to people and encouraging them when you're maybe they're kind of in their own space at home when, you know, when they don't always want to invite a pastor into it. And so we can be speaking the Word of God in those moments too. And so it serves as a reminder to our people throughout the week. It serves as a uh, kind of uh, into their spaces that maybe they don't normally bring the church. And so there's just some incredible opportunities. And I've, I've obviously I've seen a ton of churches and, and uh, leaders and ministries that are doing it so well. Mm-hmm. If there was somebody listening that you know hasn't really dove into social media or hasn't really explored that, what would your advice be as a first step to maybe explore how they might expand their own ministry through social media? Yeah, totally. So there's a couple of us who are working on a, a book right now that um, that we're going to make available, uh, including Brian, uh, who was one of the founders of churchleaders.com, Brian Orm. And uh, so we're currently working on a book that will resource people very practically, strategically on social media for churches. Um, and it's from some incredible leaders um, across the, the nation who are involved in great ministry, seeing ministry online. But the big thing that I would say is, first of all, look at people who you love, who are doing it well, who you feel like, man, their posts really inspire me. Their posts are really powerful at pointing me to the Lord. And 
follow those people and, and learn, kind of watch and learn from people. And then the second piece would be just to not post about just events and, and new sermon series and church things, but actually use it to minister right there on social media. So take the the notes from the message and the scriptures from the message that are core pieces to the, the weekend services and, and distribute those throughout the week, drip those throughout the week. Obviously, vision needs to be dripped constantly. We need to keep telling people in a thousand different ways the same thing of where God is taking us in the church and, and pointing them in, in that direction. And so share posts that like stand on their own that encourage people. Obviously, take notes from the people that are doing things like that, obviously, that you already love, and then start sharing things like that. Obviously, you need to still do news. You need to still do church news. But if churches could begin to see their online platforms as a, way, as a place to do ministry to people who might never step foot in their doors or may not yet have stepped foot in their doors, it can be, I think, even a greater impact than we already are seeing. I love that advice. And I think that that's the world we're living in. And it's going to, you know, the online world is probably going to become more and more prominent in our lives. And so, Matt, thank you so much for taking time to share with us today such good and very inspiring stories. The thing I love about your ministry is that you are connecting leaders with stories that um, are so inspiring. And it's, it can be really easy to have our heads down and be focused on what's going on in our sphere. But I think God is glorified when we pay attention to what he's doing around the world and, and ask him to do those types of things in our own ministry. So thanks so much for being here. Yeah, such an honor, Andrew. Thank you. Thanks so much to Matt Brown for joining us this week as our special guest on the Church Leaders Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes and consider sending this episode to someone you know who would benefit from listening to it. Also make sure to download the show notes for this episode at churchleaders.com forward slash podcast. The show notes always include resources mentioned in the show and links to some of our guest top content on churchleaders.com. As always, if you have ideas for how we can improve the show or guests you'd love to hear us talk to, you can email me directly at podcast at churchleaders.com. Those emails go right into my inbox and I always enjoy hearing from you, our listeners. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.